0: Spiritual warfare number three, probably of seven. So just get ready. I don't know how many will be. And thank you, worship team, for, for taking us to war. I'm just, I just, I just need to go to war. That's all there is to it. I need to go to war. Um. So let's do it. Ephesians chapter uh, chapter one, actually, yeah. Ephesians chapter one is where I'll start again, just to remind you, verse twenty one. Look down there at the bottom, bottom. Far above, all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. What is that? That's where you're seated. Far above. All rule, authority, power, dominion, and above every name that's named. This is what you have in Christ. This is what you have in Christ. This is what the man in prison says you have in Christ. This is what the man who's the head of, a, who's the, one of the big leaders of a movement that is like a pinprick in the universe at that time. Do you not understand that the people of God at the time of Jesus consisted of the remnant of the disciples who received his word in Jerusalem and the rest of the world lie in darkness? That's that's where he was. And in history... Paul is just in the he's kind of they were they were one and paul 's kind of a one a he says i'm the least of all the apostles and so the least of all the apostles here 's what he did he turned the world upside down Western civilization so much has the imprimatur of Paul the apostle on its thinking system, believing system, living system, that it's hard to conceive of Western civilization apart from what this one man did. And frankly, yes, he was impossible to understand. (laughs) Even the other apostles would say, you know that Paul, I mean, he's just hard to get, he's just hard to figure out. But the words were filled with power. The insights were filled with dynamite. And nothing more powerful than the fact that he introduces the book of Ephesians, telling the Ephesians that that little tiny group—listen—I doubt the Church of Ephesus was larger than this crowd here tonight. I doubt it seriously. And he had the audacity to tell them, "You're not—you're not the least. You're the highest." You're seated in the highest place. You're not, you're not the defeated ones. You're the overcoming ones. Far above all rule authority. Let me say it another way. One of the guys that I'm gonna be talking to you about in the next few weeks is a guy named Walter Wink. Walter Wink calls this these description the, the domination system. He says, you're far above the domination system and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the one to come. All right, what, what, even imagine what that is. Now, let me give you a review because I confused you last week and I'm gonna confuse you again. Here's a review. The word Elohim in the Old Testament is one of the words for God. It's not the primary word for the covenant God. It's the secondary word and But it's uh, one of the most used, over 2,000 usages. I say this because Elohim is not just used of the covenant God. Elohim is used the same way we say God when we mean uh, the gods of this age. So it's a word that has multiple usage. It's primarily applied to the Yahweh God, but not always. Yahweh is the covenant name for Elohim. The sons of God, you find them in the Bible in Job. You find them in the Bible in Genesis chapter six. You find them in the Bible in Psalm 82. The sons of God refer to the created, listen, Elohim, who sat in God's divine counsel and oversaw his creation. The divine council is referred to in Psalm 82 and in many other places of scripture. And it refers to um, the formal gathering. Listen, uh, Satan had access to the divine council and was part of the divine council. So you know that we live in a created order where the rebellion on earth has its counterpart in the rebellion in the heavens. All right, you getting this? This is pretty simple the way I'm doing it tonight. The members of the, of the council are apportioned an inheritance and you find that in Deuteronomy 32. And the apportioning of an inheritance to the divine council probably refers to the Tower of Babel experience when God divided the language, divided the nations, and it literally says the sons of God have an inheritance. By the way, there's a couple of faulty um, translations that use the word the sons of Israel. I could go into some detail on that, but not in this setting you can find that. It's not hard to find. But, but the sons of Israel contradicts the context itself. So this is how you come to understand that the world is ruled by principalities, powers, and other Elohim, if you will. Israel was Yahweh's inheritance. When you say inheritance, you mean their domain or dominion. Yahweh's ultimate intention is ruling the nations, Psalm 2. And his rule of the nations is to be via his son, the son of the right hand, who rules the nations with the rod of iron. All right, that's the biblical worldview, guys. That's a biblical worldview of of, of how the universe works. And the good thing is the world thinks you're a nutcase if you think like this, so hallelujah. I don't need to get the world to agree with this worldview. I just need to know who I am. It's in this context that when the Bible says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, that you need to pay attention and say, "This, my life matters. I'm here for a reason. There's significance on my existence. There's meaning on the breath I'm breathing. You matter, son of man, child of God. You get this, don't you? It was the search for meaning that drove me to Christ. It's that desire that I believe is gonna sweep across our land again because we're living in a time of godlessness. One of the readers, one of the writers that I'm reading, professor, he calls, he says, we're having a godless great awakening. That guy's coming out with a book right after the election. I'm like, dude, could you send it out a month earlier? a godless great awakening, meaning there's a religious revival in America, but God's not in it. It it has the mark of everything that religious people do, every way they act, but there's no Yahweh. So it's a frightening thing. Also, it's a thing that gives me hope because The human being is designed for God and will never be fulfilled without God. The human being is designed as the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God, and we will never be fulfilled until we are fulfilled in him. (laughs) I was searching for meaning when I turned myself to Christ. And uh, ever since I found him, I've been walking out the meaning of the meaning. And still, like Paul, find myself trying to apprehend that for which I've been apprehended. You understand that? Get hold of what's gotten hold of me. All right, so this is, this is the review. But before we talk about spiritual warfare, I want you to be there. It's good for me that in the midst of this, I've been studying the, um, Jesus as the high priest in Hebrews. And, uh, and the four living creatures and the 24 elders in the book of Revelation. And everywhere I go, it's thrones and dominions and rules and authorities and those that are there. Finally, be strong in the Lord. You don't have to be strong in anything else. Be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. This is Mama Gail's mantra. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. By the way, when you don't know how to do that, Just talk to yourself like you would talk to your child. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Talk to yourself in the name of the Lord. Just speak to your own soul. Sometimes you're like, if you come to church and you're dead inside and you're not worshiping, you tell your soul to wake up. You tell your spirit to come into alignment. You tell yourself to get out of that place that you're in. Rule yourself. Don't wait for something. Don't wait for something to, to stimulate you to be who you're supposed to be. Do it. Put on the whole armor of God. Okay, personal responsibility. By the way, I'm obsessed with personal responsibility. I think it's the only way to a fulfilling life. I think it's the only way to meaning in life. I think it's I think it's the only way uh, to accomplish things in life. I think it's the only way for national governments to work. I think personal responsibility is the single key that humans can get hold of and get on with themselves. And you're able to do it because you've strengthened yourself in the Lord. And once you've strengthened yourself in the Lord, you can take the steps. Yep, that's one of the reasons why I needed to roll back over and, and get something from heaven. You say, couldn't you have prayed and done that? Yes, and we'll get there in in this sermon and in this series. Could have, but I'm looking for something that my rational mind won't argue with. Because this is what happened to y'all this week. You got in the midst of a a split of an open heaven, and your rational mind just about tried to rob you of the joy that God's trying to give you. You need to get your rational mind under the rule of Holy Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now it's no mistake. Look, uh, look, let me read. Against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, let's talk about these principalities and powers in kind of a different way than I have before. Um, I want you to understand that these entities, and I mean entities, are, are living, living things huh. When I was growing up in the South and I was living in the Jim Crow South and the gospel people preached was incongruent with the life we were living. There was a phrase people would say, that's just how things are. That's a principality. Get it. Please get it. Why do you say that? Because it's a ruling spirit that controls people's mind in such a way that even if their spirit is grieved, their mind will obey it. Conformity. Every horrible Holocaust that there's ever been, every genocide, every despotic regime that's ever taken over has done so because the mind of the, the corporate mind uh, paralyzed people from action. Every one of us looks at movies about Nazi Germany and we say, how could they do that? And I'm gonna tell you that 99% of us would do it. The rest would have to die because, because they're, look, there's all kinds of simple experiments that show us that human beings are wired to conformity and that when an idea captures a room, like you could take an experiment and you could show two lines on a graph, they could be exactly the same, same size and you could have a group of people in that room And and the group of people could conspire that one of the lines was longer than the other. And then you could bring a series of people into the room and you would get about 90% conformity by saying which line was longer. Because when everybody says they see it, the one who doesn't see it can see it. All right, now that's how principalities and powers work. A few years ago, a number of years ago, almost a generation ago, what was it, five ministers decided that what we really needed in the, in the United States of America was real Christian discipleship. And so they decided to form a hierarchical ranking system in which every person was a disciple of somebody else and somebody was over somebody and somebody was over somebody and they created a system of accountability and the person you were under could ask you anything could call on just about anything from you and could and and could get you to be accountable in every way by the way i think accountability systems suck yes he said that word you wash my mouth out for your children i don't i, I don't, I don't If somebody says, can we be accountable? I say, no, we can be friends. Listen, you'll lie to your accountability partner. Your friend is somebody you open your heart to. What you want is somebody to whom you disclose yourself. Why do you fall in love? Because you disclose your heart, the secrets of your heart. Now, by the way, I do know there's a certain personality type or a few personality types that work pretty well with accountability. Go for it. Don't ask me to join. (laughs) All right, so they did this system. It was called the shepherding movement. How many of you know about the shepherding movement? One of the leaders of the shepherding movement was a guy named Bob Mumford. I met Bob Mumford a few years ago. He's in his, his 80s, I guess. I think Bob's still living on up into his 80s. And when I met him, I heard him preach and he spoke about this accountability system that they put in the churches. And he said, these words, we we loosed a principality on ourselves. Actually, he said, an arche, a ruler. He said, we literally fashioned one. Uh, listen, I'm not saying you can create the gods. I'm saying you can create systems that the gods can inhabit. Yeah. And he said, he realized when he got into that thing that he says, I realized that I had made, an, uh, we, we had made this thing, this anti-Christ thing. And I remember, and then, he, and then he said, and I made a decision right then that I would kill it or it would kill me. And he started to cry. He said both happened. And literally in his old age, he's still a broken man because he partnered with a lie and caused a bunch of people to partner with a lie and to get themselves in a system that wrecked instead of formed their lives. Vestiges of that thing still turn up. There's one of those things that's turned up in our city. Shut up, Alan. It's a snake, and you have to cut its head off. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but rulers and authorities and cosmic powers and over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Let me let me let me keep going about this. I want you to get hold of this. Um I've been thinking this thing through. Help me, Jesus. No, I don't think that. I got to cook that some more. All right. I'll I'll say it this way, though. Any institution you create becomes something that requires your service. And and listen, one of the things that you, you you don't understand, you intrinsically do understand it. Every Christian that I know everywhere for a generation has said I hate religion. And every Christian that I know knows that they've participated in reinvigorating the religious spirit. How's that work? Well, it goes like this. You create a church. A church becomes an institution and the institution becomes the point rather than the reason you created it. A government bureaucracy, you'll understand that one better. There's no such thing as a government bureaucracy that's happy to get smaller. It demands to be served. It demands to be fed. It demands to be ministered to. So what I'm saying to you is this is a big deal. This is a big war. But one of the things that we, we all want to do is to create or is to, or is to walk in um, a family of faith that, that does not act in a religious way and put chains on people, but actually liberates people. And oh, by the way, House church is not the cure. You'll do it there too. It's about what's in us. It's not a, and it's about what we partner with. It's not about, it's not about the, the having a perfect form. Do you, do you, have you ever noticed that God did not actually give us a manual? He gave us narratives. He's told us stories. Every one of us wish we could. Look up like present darkness. Let's look that up. Let's get the list of what it is. We want, it, we want, we want a categorical dictionary that we can look everything up and know what it is. Boom, we got it. Doesn't work. All, all, all it does is turn us into people nobody wants to listen to. All right. But Paul, all he's doing now, listen, all he's doing is he's saying... He's he's, he's sizing up the situation. This small group of people are involved in a city that's pagan and a government that's pagan. And 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 the pagan religion of the city and the pagan government over the city are allies, but they're not perfectly congruent. And so that's why there's a variety of things they're fighting against. It's not just one. Would that it was just one. There's a variety of levels of understandings of this thing. And so then what he does is he just does this beautiful, wonderful thing. He just looks at the Roman soldier. The Roman soldier was the most perfect instrument of war of that time. Literally. And he said, that's what we got to become. That's what we got to become. Wouldn't he have a a kick with Sandia Labs. <laughs> we would be called the isotopes. <laughs> Wait, that's been done. All right, let's show you something. He's also been setting a stage, he told them that all things were new in Christ. He said, you have a new identity, you're one new man. He said, you have a new unity, you're heirs together. Heirs, heirs, heirs. Hey, just one little aside. If you wonder what the heck's going on in America, one of the things that's going on in America is that Americans have decided that we have have rejected our inheritance. What does that mean? there's historic guilt and shame on us to a degree that we, that we, in some ways, um, hate our nation. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why this is why we this is why we are opening our borders and doing all kinds of other things that are suicidal for nations. It's a great time for. You see, this stuff is a solution for it. Uh, what's going on in the nation right now is not a is not a solution. It's um, it's creating a worse monster from the monster you're running from. A new unity, airs together, a new humanity, a new family. I've talked about these things: a new paternity and a new fraternity. All right, those are just examples. Those are not those, those are not. Uh, the total. This is what's happening to us. Um, I've been a Christian a few years that I started hearing the phrase deconstruction. Deconstruction has become a thing. Deconstruction means you you take what you have and you examine it for its flaws and you and you deconstruct the flaws. The problem is th- this is literally the problem. Most people, deconstruction is really easy. That's why you you, you know you can hire anybody to be on the demolition crew. Anybody with a hammer and an attitude can get on the demolition crew. But people of skill who can build is a whole other thing. And so what's happening to lots of people is they're getting seduced by the idea of deconstruction because everybody can feel something needs adjusting and needs to be straightened out. And so, and so people... Uh, Join deconstruction, but what they build is no life in it. Years and years ago, when I was on the island nation of Haiti, and I was I was Im- imbibing it was ni- it was it was 1980 actually, and I was experiencing poverty of the degree that I had never before seen in my life, and it was taking my breath. And during that time, I had, be- had become a, an angry young. Theological, student, thinker, prophet, remnant guy. I was mad at everybody, mad at everything. And uh, I was on that island nation and I had an encounter with God and God rebuked me and said, you're pretty good at tearing things down. Can you build anything? It's so easy to see what's wrong But if all you can do is see what's wrong, but you don't have the skill to build something, Paul, his unique feature was he was constructing, not deconstructing. Paul did not spend any time Uh, examining the Roman system and examining the pagan system to a degree that, uh, this is not true, he did examine them, but his way of dealing with them was to build something more beautiful in front of the people, to set things in front of the people that displaced what was wrong. And the reason I know we had such a problem is because so much of the deconstruction that I'm seeing is leading people to lose their faith and not be built up in their holy faith. Lose their joy and not find their joy. Actually to renounce what they have. I'm like, wait a minute, you were supposed to renounce your sin, not your inheritance. And so you can see it. These are some of the things that are happening in America. These are some of the things that are happening and this is the last time I'm gonna show you this slide, um, but, I, but I talk about this a lot. And so uh, identity, Christian identity is the imago Dei, it's the image of God. One of the things, and this is important for what happened in America and why the American uh, experiment has been struggling so, is that uh, America was so filled with Christians and we knew that we were made in the image of God. We also knew that we had a system of slavery going on in our nation that was incongruent with our faith. And so I hate to tell you, but what a great many people did was change their faith in such a way that they questioned whether, whether people of the black race were bearers of the image of God. Now listen to me, I like the fact that they could not bear the reality of keeping in bondage someone made in the image and likeness of God. I deplore the fact that they came to the solution that they came to. And we're still paying for it. All of us. But that's what you build. Um, and we're, we're doing this with many things. Uh, we, you, we, you've taught, heard us talk about uh, deconstructing marriage. Um, I, listen, you, some people will think I'm just old and I'm just uh, I'm just old and things have changed and they pass me by. Think that all you want. I don't care. Think that all you want. Here's what I know in the Bible. In the Bible, the elderly were valued more, not less. They were considered wiser, not foolish. Secondly, here's here's what I know. I'm building what I'm building based on revelation from apostles and prophets, not on revelation from human pain. I can't press this enough with you. The more you develop your your ethics, morality, government, and, and discipleship, Based on human pain, the less likely you are to alleviate human pain. Human pain is the trigger for us to say something is wrong. But, it's not, but the solution is not then found in the hurting person's answer to their own problems. It's found in the revelation from heaven. That's why when you're, when you're suffering and somebody speaks a prophetic word over you and it opens your heart and it opens the pain, the, the prophetic answer is not to tell you you're all right like you are. The prophetic answer is to tell you who you are in Christ and how, what he has done for you and how he's made you. I won't back off these things. I won't back off. But here's what it does require: it requires us to draw nearer to people who are in pain, not not to reject them for their bad behavior in their pain. This is a really hard road. We have to draw nearer. This is a, this is this is what we're called to. Okay. Mom's going to be doing the countdown in a minute. Stand there for, and here I have, a, this is like the third time I've gotten to this and not preached on it. <laughs> Roman armor. Let me tell you one thing you won't find me doing from this. Uh, I, I'm okay with people who do, but, d- don't, but understand this. So somebody, sometimes people say, did you put on your armor before you left the room this morning? And, I'm, and I look at them like they're crazy. You need to understand, this is something I'm clothed in, not something I have to put on. Now, it does say cooperate with it, because I am going to cooperate. I'm going to pray and I'm going to grab, I'm going to take the word of God. There, there's some action in it. But what I'm saying is, a lot of people, are, and I'm okay with it. If you're one of those guys, you say, I get in front of the mirror, man, and I put on my belt, and I put on my breastplate, and I put on my helmet. If you do that and it helps you, I'm good with it. I probably ain't going to come, no. If I'm at the next mirror, I'm going to be creeping out. No. I'm terrible, aren't I? (laughs) You can't get this stuff anywhere at all. Stand there for having fastened the belt of truth. We're going to talk about truth next week. The breastplate of righteousness. And I'm going to press with you one more time what righteousness is and is not. And as shoes, your feet having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. You understand this? He's getting you ready for war, but you're putting on the gospel of peace on your feet. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the fi- flaming darts of the evil one. Anybody had a dart thrown at them lately? Come on. who's had? You've had lies thrown at you. You've had lies thrown at you by the enemy tearing you down, destroying your soul, taking away your hope, ending your dreams. Come on. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Now like this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is what I love so much about uh, Chris. What what a skilled man with both word and spirit. That just so blessed me. Didn't that bless you? (laughs) Taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always at all times in the spirit. By the way, you can pray in the spirit in your tongue and in another tongue. You understand that, right? With all prayer and supplication. Let's just stop there. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I've, I've learned to pray always. You have to. Let me tell you how to sanctify your desires. Any desire that you can't turn into a prayer. Right? Anything you're desiring. Desiring. That you cannot cry out to God and say, I want this. Right? That'll clean you up. (laughs) And to realize that when you're desiring something, you are praying towards it. Jesus told us all this in the Sermon on the Mount with different words praying always. Have you learned how to pray in tongues under your breath? I hope when I'm an, a real old man and they put me away somewhere, it's, in, it's, in, it's inevitable, it's inevitable. I hope I'll be that guy that's going around. And they will go, he's always muttering to himself a revival in the old folks home let's receive the communion together why don't you stand I do know don't, don't, don't misunderstand me I do know that some ways I've repeated myself tonight but I'm telling you why I think we're on hard subjects, we're on hard ground. And I mean that in our culture, not just in our Bible. I'll go ahead and say what I'll just plant the seed as we're getting ready to receive the communion. The cry of our neighbors about systemic racism is, is the cry of one who has felt the oppressive power of a principality but does not know the means to remove it and our culture is in danger of choosing means to address a, person, a principality that will loose the abyss pray Pray, pray. Our Lord has given himself to us and we're going to receive him. And if you're here tonight, uh, we want you to join us in the communion if you're new. This bread is the body of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died, he gave himself to us body and blood. It's just to say he gave his life to us. Hear that, to us. The ultimate aim of giving his life for us was to give his life to us. Does everyone have the elements? Does anyone not have them? Okay, I didn't ask. All right. Uh, We are a kingdom of priests. So I'm going to make a declaration. I want you to just repeat it after me. This is the body of Christ. Jesus, we receive you. Are you ready? You can open that other. I want you to be ready. He redeemed us. Not with corruptible things like silver and gold. But with the precious blood as of a lamb without spot or blemish. Repeat after me. This is the blood of Christ. We receive you, Jesus. All right, soldiers. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come, 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 come. Take unto yourselves the sword, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Here's my prayer for you tonight, Is is that the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, would speak to you directly through Scripture and empower you. If you're here tonight and you want to receive prayer before you go, come quickly. Come right now. Just come quickly. I'll we'll pray for one another and then we'll be released. Anyone who needs to be strengthened in the Lord. Anyone who says, I'm facing a big old principality. I have no idea what to do with it. But I know I'm under an oppression. If you're under an oppression or under a darkness, under a cloud, under an attack, that's what we're after. Come on. Anybody else? okay come on come on hallelujah all right ministry team put on your mask if you're come down and pray for these that have come and I'm gonna bless you and release you I hope you're glad you came tonight Hebrews 6, Revelation 6, Constitution class, Dream, Have a Dream class, and the Paul class. These are things for you to connect with. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. In Jesus' name, bless you. Amen.